0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. King Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for your goodness, God, to us. We recognize that you have opened the way for us. What was impossible for millennia for us to do, which was to be in relationship with you. You, in a moment, reverse that curse and open the door for us. And we want to say thank you, Jesus. We set our hope and our faith firmly on you this morning. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, to convict us of who we are now in Jesus because of the work of Jesus, that you would give us strong and deep conviction around what it is that you have called us to do. And so we honor you and lift you up this morning, King Jesus. You are the King and your name is, Jesus is above every name that has ever or will ever be named for all of eternity. Amen. Friends, it's good to be with you this morning. Those of you who are brave enough to come out in negative 85 degrees or whatever it is out there, I don't even know how many frozen pipes we got out there. I have one. Hopefully, well, I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't burst. We'll see. We're here, so we won't know but that's okay. I enjoy swimming pools as well. Um, Also, I just want to mention and state the obvious, like, no, Jesse and I are not twins, and we didn't... I'm not actually Jesse. I am Mark, even though we're dressed like almost identically today. We did not plan that. It's kind of fun. I'm grateful to have Jesse on the team. He is our communications leader and has been doing such a great job helping out here and serving with the teams. And so can we give him a hand and just thank him for helping carrying the load? I don't know where he went, but he's off doing his thing somewhere. So thank you, Jesse. Listen, we're in the series built for this. Built for what? Well, you know, it's good to know what we're here for as a church, and, and I'm sure that you guys know that we're not here just to gather together and have a good time hanging out, right? Although that's fun, too. We're here for a purpose. God has set us in this city for a purpose. He has set you in your jobs, in your families, even in your neighborhoods for a purpose. Can I get an Amen. Listen, I know it's cold outside, but don't treat me like y'all treated me last uh, December 31st. Remember, that was cold. It was like cranking a cold car in here in the morning. So you guys are here, right? Say yes. All right, perfect. I love it. Listen, we are going to be teaching through four pillars of our church and our mission and our vision and what we're believing that God wants to accomplish in each and every one of us throughout this year. Number one is the pillar of believe. Believe what? Believe on Jesus Christ. Believe that he is who he says he is. In Matthew 22, verse 36, uh, one of the teachers and Pharisees asked Jesus, hey, what is the greatest commandment? He's trying to trick Jesus. That doesn't work. And Jesus responded to him saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this is our first pillar is to believe that God is who he says he is and love him accordingly. The second is to belong. To belong to what? To belong to the family of God. To belong to the community of believers now, there was a movement a couple of times through the Celts. They, I don't know if you know this or not, but they re-evangelized Europe like twice. And one of their methodologies or their beliefs was that someone needed to belong to a community before they could believe in Jesus. Now, while that is occasionally true, what we believe here is that someone to belong to the family of God first needs to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, Right? Because he's the only way back into relationship with the Father. So it's important that we understand, while well, of course, we want to do outreach to people who don't know the Lord yet. We want to invite them into our lives. We want to spend time with them. We want to show them an example and not just talk at them. You follow what I'm saying? Show them an example and not just talk at them. They need to actually be able to see your life to do that. But they aren't yet adopted into God's family until they set their hope in Jesus. And so this is a piece that's really important, too, because when you belong to a community, you actually will get the opportunity to grow. If you skip this part, if you skip out and just try to do it yourself, you may grow a little bit, but there's going to be a lot of blank spots in your maturity. And that's because you don't have someone who can lovingly say to you, now listen, DJ, it's time you grow. DJ's right here. I see you. We love you, DJ. DJ. Do you know what I mean? Anybody ever been called out by someone? Or called, I like to say, called upward? It's like, it's time to mature, Mark. I know. I just kind of don't want to yet. Well, you are 40. And how do I know I'm 40? Because I went to the doctor and they asked a question I'd never heard before. Have you fallen down or been injured recently? (laughs) I was like, what? I was just here six months ago and you didn't ask me that. And he said, well, it's because you're old now. Listen, in Acts chapter 2, we see an example of this. You know, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, and people started speaking, the disciples who were there started speaking in tongues. And in Jerusalem, there were people from all the nations of the earth, it says. And what was astonishing to them is that they were hearing the glories of God proclaimed in their own languages. That's crazy. Story for another time, I was in Mexico and this happened a girl didn't speak any English got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke perfect English for a week. She couldn't even go to work. because She could only speak English. So I've seen it firsthand. It's crazy. So these guys are doing this. The the, the people who are visiting Jerusalem and are in town, they're like, these guys must be drunk. And Peter gets up and says, we're not drunk. We haven't even had time to get drunk yet. It's still the morning time. But he declares the message and the glory of Jesus to this crowd of people. And it says that they are cut to the heart. What should they do? And he says, believe in Jesus and then be baptized into his name. And later it says that God added 3,000 people to the group of believers that day alone. 3,000 people in one shot. And here's what it goes on to say. It says that the, those who believed belonged to the community and had everything in common together. That is what God wants for us. You know, we talk about uh, being a family of faith, okay? But everybody in here has a different description and picture of what faith can be, or excuse me, what family can be. Right? If I say family, some of you are like, ooh. My family was horrible. And some of you are like, you're thinking of, you know, singing Christmas carols around the Christmas tree and drinking eggnog, which is disgusting, by the way, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know what kind of memories you have or, or thoughts you have associated with family, but what I want to encourage you to do is, as, as we unpack these pillars of our vision for 2024, is that you start letting God shape your perspective of family around what kingdom family looks like. And we'll unpack that more because we can't just say, oh, we're a family. But then you think this and I think this and you think that and we're not in unity on anything, right? But there are certain ways that the family of God spends time together and how they operate together, how they honor one another. And the example that that sets for people who don't yet know Jesus is amazing. the third one here is become become what become mature grow up in the lord one of the marks of maturity spiritual maturity is when we have the ability to yield our will to the will of the father that's tough it's easier said than done i can get up here and i can say to you oh yeah you yeah, know just yield your will to the father's will you know it's not easy I've been walking with Jesus for real, for real, since I was 17 years old and grew up in a Christian household before that. It is still tough for me at times when the Lord gives me instruction or invites me to do something for me to be just like, oh yeah, perfect, no questions asked, I'm not scared at all. It can sometimes be nerve-wracking. But the maturity that we can develop in a community is that we be people who don't just become who we're designed to be, but we become humbly obedient to the command of Christ. And that's what we're believing for. Because Jesus said, he said, pray like this, not that your will be done, but that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know by looking around that God's will is not being done yet on the earth. Amen? It's not there yet. In our city, look across the fence not in a creepy way, but to your neighbor's house, right? Like, is God's will being done there? Is it being done on your street, in your cul-de-sac, in your school, in your workplace? Not yet. But we should learn to pray and invite God to do his will and ask for his power to partner with him and yield to him in maturity. The fourth one here is that we would move into building, that we would be builders, building what? God's kingdom. Not our own kingdom god 's kingdom, because we 're all going to die. I know that 's maybe shocking. The only thing that 's worth investing in is are things that are oriented toward heaven, and i 'm not saying disregard the temporal because the temporal matters because. Especially if it points towards the glory of God, it can highlight the glory of God, the way you raise your family, the way you do your job, even the way you file your taxes. Hint, hint, time's coming to do that. All of those things do matter because they can be oriented towards the Lord's glory. And God has placed us here and entrusted us with this time and this space, right? We can't ignore the fact that He lets us be alive now, which means He has trusted us with this time and this season, and the people that are around us. But you see, we sometimes get stuck here. We go through the believing part, and we get into the community, and we start to grow, and then we think, wow, I've become who God wanted me to become, and now I've arrived. Maybe, I mean, wives, you know your husbands have not arrived. We know that for sure. But the truth is, there is something beyond just believing and becoming and belonging to the family. It is to build his kingdom and be on mission with God. And I believe that the, this is the place that we get stuck. Because we sometimes get scared to share our faith with other people. And now you're going to say, oh, here we go. Here goes the missions guy again. But listen, listen. How many of you came to Christ because someone shared about Jesus with you? Raise your hand if you did that. Okay, everybody else, you can raise your hands and I'll pray for you to receive Jesus right now. No, I'm just kidding. But you guys get what I mean is it's very likely that someone else shared Jesus with you. Could have been in a group setting. Could have been one-on-one. I know for like Pastor Bill, our youth pastor, he, he was led to the Lord by a guy just point blank talking to him about Jesus. And he's like, how come I've never heard of this before? And so we need to recognize that part of building God's kingdom is not that we only think about what's happening inside of the four walls of the community of faith church, but that we think about what God is dreaming about out there as well. The nations are on his heart and this city is on his heart. Particular families are on his heart. And it starts with inviting people to believe. So what must I believe? That's kind of the question. And I'm not going to get into the, all of the particulars, but I've, as I prayed for us, I felt that the Lord highlighted a couple key ideas that we need to be anchored in. And I will get to why we need to be anchored in those in a moment. Number one, my trust pleases God. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found. Because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased, the, pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he seeks, he rewards those who seek him. Now we're going to do a little bit of a Greek geek out. Does that sound good? Is it too early and too cold for you guys on this? As my wife and I were discussing this scripture and looking into this, this is a very technical passage, this piece that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. This first word, without, which is the first word in the Greek sentence, which makes it the most important word here, is the word horis, And this means apart from this. So apart from faith, it is impossible to please God. All right? If you don't believe in him, you cannot please him. This word faith is the word pistis, which means trust. This isn't just trust like, I trust you or I believe in you or I know about you. This trust is described like this. It is a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah. There is no other Messiah. There is no other Savior. You're it, Jesus. It's a strong, welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. Secondarily, it means a holy spirit Spirit-empowered assurance and conviction. I take this to mean that you cannot just work yourself up to belief. The belief that you have that anchors your soul to the fact that Jesus is who he says he is and he is more than able to do than anything you'd ask or imagine is Holy Spirit gift to you. It's actually something you can ask for. And it is something that those who have yet to put their faith in Jesus do not yet possess. And if they don't possess this, then they cannot please God. And here's the conundrum. In our world today, there are people who respect God enough to, tr- they're like trying to live in such a way as to, to like honor God or please him in some way so that maybe in return he might hook him up with a promotion or a better job or something, right? They will never be pleasing to God until they step into Faith that is empowered and inspired and anchored in the Holy Spirit's ability to convict us of the truth of who Jesus is. I'm telling you guys, the enemy is a liar and he has lied to us and lied to society to try to cause us to believe little of Jesus. But he is great and he is mighty and he is able. Like I prayed at the beginning. He tore off the the yoke of slavery to sin that we could not, we couldn't solve it for millennia. And in an instant, he fixed that and solved it and opened the way for us. Thirdly, this word impossible, it's like getting a little little excited up here, sorry. (laughs) This word impossible is the word adunatas, which means Powerless because dunatas means powerful, adunatas means without power. There is power that you have access to to anchor your soul in the truth of who God is, and it doesn't come from you. The question has gone around for millennia. How is a person saved? Well, you have to believe and that's an action that you take. But I would question your own ability to give yourself that kind of trust in who Jesus is without the help of the Holy Spirit. You see, elsewhere in the Bible, it says that each of us has been given a seed of faith. So it's like, you don't even have, you don't even possess your own seed of faith to believe, And I believe that every person has been given a seed that's in there, whether it has borne fruit or not yet, whether it's germinated or not yet, that's up to the Lord. But we know that every person has that inside of them and they're waiting for that to be awakened. It's in there and it is what will lead them to a confession of belief in Jesus Christ. It is impossible to be pleasing to God without this kind of faith. Here's what else is beautiful. We're professional drifters. We're all like spiritually driving our spiritual lives while texting and on a Zoom meeting and putting on eyeliner, some of us at the same time. We drift. We speed up. We slow down. We get hot. We get cold. We're on and off and Thankfully, Jesus knows this about us and he empathizes with our weakness and he knows knows our frame. He knows that we're dust and he knows that we need help and that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to help anchor us in the truth of who Jesus is. Listen. Obedience is the fruit of a trusting relationship in Jesus. So you can, measure, you can measure your level of belief in who God is based on how obedient you are, how ready you are to obey his voice. And I don't say that to condemn anybody. Listen, again, I'm a pastor and I struggle with this. But I know that that upward call of maturity is there to not just believe but to put it into action as well. And here's the thing. I believe that God wants to strengthen our belief in him for a few reasons, but one of them in particular is because the world out there that doesn't yet know him needs to see an authentic relationship with Jesus on display. They need to see that. Why? Because the world out there, those who have yet to start following Jesus, they may have some beliefs about God already and about Jesus and about Christianity. Can I get an amen? I mean, sometimes I'll ask people this question. It's one of my favorite questions to ask random strangers. You're going to love it. You should try it out. It's this. What do you think God thinks about you? i tell you why. You get all kinds of crazy answers when, when people hear that question because it immediately starts to show you what they think God is like. And it shows you really quickly that they actually feel that this this innate need to try to please this God in the sky lest he rain fire and brimstone on them while they're asleep or something. And so you see, it's really vital that we anchor ourselves in the truth of who Jesus really is and in the truth of what that gospel really is so that we can demonstrate it to those who are around us because they have beliefs about who Jesus is. And they may not be accurate or correct. So they need you to engage in this process of growing up and applying your belief in a real way. Are you guys tracking with me so far? I know we're missing like half our crowd because of the frostiness outside. You're probably online. We love you all the same. We forgive you. (laughs) Here's another, another belief that I feel like the Lord wanted me to highlight. Jesus actually, he came to rescue me and you and us because we actually needed it. John 3.17, which is the lesser known scripture right after the most famous scripture in the whole New Testament, says this, and this is Jesus speaking to a teacher of the law. He says, look, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved, what? Through him, through his work. Jesus didn't come here to point fingers at you or at me or at anyone else. He came here, he convicts us of sin because it's the very thing that destroys us and has been plaguing humanity so that we can step into a believing relationship in the work of Jesus Christ and with the Father. That we can enter in and be anchored in that. And then we no longer live under the condemnation of sin, but we live under the conviction that we are who Jesus says we are by the work of his own work. It is the result of his work, spiritually speaking, that then begins to produce a life of sanctification for you and for me. What does that mean? A life where we begin to grow up and become more like Christ. The next belief that I believe God wants me to highlight here is this, that God actually wants me. Can you say that? God actually wants me. I could tell you really believe it too. That's not really fair. I have a microphone, so I don't have to shout as loud. But God actually wants me. He actually wants you. He actually wants the person who's caught in adultery out there in Arvada. He actually wants the drug guy who's buying and selling to high schoolers. He actually wants an encounter with that 14-year-old kid who's confused about his sexuality. He actually wants that person. He doesn't just want to fix us. He wants us where we belong, which is in relationship with himself for all of eternity. Listen, Ecclesiastes says this, that God has put eternity in the hearts of mankind. There is something in here, like an invisible thread that ties all the way out to eternity. Imagine it. And it's connected. And you try to turn away from that purpose and that place and it tugs on you and you're like, what is that? There are people in the city of Arvada, friends, who need to be told what that tug is. You might think like, well, everybody knows Jesus. They already know that. There's a church in every corner in this place. But let me ask you this. I believe our church is a life-giving, spirit-filled church. But when was the last time you openly shared your faith with somebody? Why do we think that the other church is going to do it? Or the other Christian is going to do it. Why do we do that? Now, for those introverts in the room, before you get all nervous and think I'm going to ask you to share your faith, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you to share your faith. Today. No, just now I hear some people getting up and leaving me in the back. No, I'm not going to tell you how you should share your faith, but there are going to be times where the Lord's going to say, it's your time. Here's the person. And you're going to have to apply your faith in who God is and his ability to save people because it's not you who saves people. It's not your fancy words or your prayers or any of that that saves people. It is the power of God working through the Holy Spirit, leading people to the the work of Jesus, reconciling them to the Father. It kind of sounds kind of crazy and complicated, but just leave it like this. It's God's job to do the saving and the calling. It's our job to make the invitation and to make the introduction because we cannot continue to assume that people know who Jesus is, who he really is. We cannot assume that anymore. God actually wants you and me and the person who is yet to know him. And we see this modeled in a bunch of Jesus' parables, but in Luke chapter 15, he says this, he was with the tax collectors and the sinners and the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Friends, We need an infusion of this belief in our hearts and that God's heart is yearning and calling for the people in our city who don't yet know what kind of Jesus he is. Next belief is that reconciliation is available right now. This word reconciliation isn't just accounting, Do you feel my brain almost turned off when I said the word accounting? No offense to our accountants in here, Cindy. The world needs to be reconciled to the Father. Because we were born into sin, we were born into this this system of betraying and disobeying God, we must be reconciled to him. And in Christ, we are reconciled to him. Colossians 1 says this, For in him, in Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or on heaven, no one is too far away, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy, set apart, blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, belief, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, what is this gospel that you have heard which reconciled you? The gospel isn't just that Jesus died on the cross. The gospel is the good news that God is actually good. He isn't out to get you. He's not out waiting to punish you. He's not hoping that the world will just burn so that he can start over. God actually wants you. He's actually good. He's actually provided a way for you. When we were powerless, when we were enemies, when we were wretches, God loved us and chose us anyway. That is good news. Because none of us can make it there on our own. We cannot. And so he made a way. He did what we could not do. So that we can believe him and see things that are impossible become reality. You see, in Romans, it's kind of interesting. Remember the word adunatas? In Romans chapter 8, it says this, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. It's that same word, adunatas. Not only were we unable to reconcile ourselves, not even the law could reconcile us. It was powerless to do it. But by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for our sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled. This is so much more than just believing or knowing about Jesus. This has to do with the moment in which we come into contact with the Holy Spirit's conviction that Jesus is who he says he is and he actually loves us and he actually wants us and he actually wants to reconcile us. And not only does he want to, he is able to. Amen? The gospel is that God has a plan and you are a part of that plan and he wants you in. God did what we were powerless to do and it was his pleasure to do it. No, he doesn't work at Chick-fil-A. I know what you're thinking. They're not even open today, so don't even worry about it. Grant Baxter, who's a writer, said this, and I've had this quote for years in my little catalog of quotes that I keep. That's one of the ways I stay encouraged as I read scriptures and quotes that point me to Jesus. It says this, that the gospel is not that we invite Jesus into our life, but accepting that Jesus has already invited us into his you catch that? The gospel isn't just that Jesus died and rose again and now you don't have to be a sinner. No. Jesus himself has already invited you. You already have an invitation in your inbox saying, come be a part of my life. My life is here to share with you. And you say, well, what do I have to bring? And you know, unlike Teenage girl birthday parties these days are like, bring 15 gifts per person. He says, just come. Just come. Do you believe that you can just go to Jesus? You can just come to him? Do you believe that you have access to the Father unlimited? Do you believe that? I want you to have assurance and conviction you have access to him. And it is his joy and his pleasure to give you access to him. But it isn't just for us, you see. We have been charged to pray for God's kingdom and his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we have been told in Matthew 28, 18 and 19 to go into every nation, every place, every people group, everywhere. And yes, that includes our city to go there and declare the goodness of who God really is and make disciples of all peoples, teaching them everything that he has taught us. And so it cannot stop here inside of the four walls of this building we call Faith Church. It cannot stop here. If it stops here, we are immature, disobedient believers in Christ. And hear me, I'm not trying to condemn you if you feel ill-equipped to share your faith. But what I am saying is that God has assignments for you every day. And it really matters to the people that he wants you to reach. It may be inconsequential to you, but it really matters to the people that he's gonna bring you across. I was in Mexico one time, leading a missions trip, and we were at this gathering and there was a guy who was who was drunk and my Spanish was pretty broken at the time and He came to me and said, hey, can you pray for me? And what I understood is that he had lost his family, and his his children and his wife due to alcohol, and he wanted to be free. So I just prayed in some broken Spanish-English prayer over him. Maybe like 10 seconds is all I could get out. I just blessed him. And that was it. Felt very inconsequential for me. A year later, almost exactly, I was in another city with another team in Mexico, and I hear this guy yelling Marcos from across this park. And I'm like, what? Is that guy calling? That's my name in Spanish, if you didn't know. I don't know how up you are on the Spanish thing, you know. But listen, it was that guy, a year later, pushing a stroller, walking with his wife. God had healed him and brought him back and reconciled him and set him free. And I don't know, maybe that was one of a hundred prayers. Maybe it was nothing, but it was obedience. And I don't, I'm not saying that I have always stepped into that place of obedience with Jesus. But guys, it may seem inconsequential to you, but it is hugely consequential for those that you meet every day. How you treat the person at the gas station at the restaurant, at your school, at your office, how you respond to criticism, all of it matters a lot to the people who are witnessing your life being lived out loud before the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Christ has reconciled us And now it is our job to be reconciling. It is our commission. It is our responsibility to be announcing the goodness of God. It says here, sorry, my eyes are a little blurry for some strange reason. Listen to this. This is towards the end of chapter 5 near verse 20. And it says, therefore, because we are reconciled, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, our city needs to know Jesus. And how's that going to happen? It's not going to be through Facebook ads or YouTube videos primarily or anything. It is going to be person to person. Your interaction with people that you meet On assignment from God, you have divine appointments ahead of you today, this week, this month, this year. People that Jesus needs you to minister the life-giving message of reconciliation to. Sharing those beliefs that we talked about with them, they are actually wanted. It's their trust in him that makes them pleasing before God. And without it, they can never be pleasing to God that God is actually good. It says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No exceptions. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what nationality you are, what political party you are, how confused and messed up you are. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Saved, called in. Paul goes on to say, how then will they call on, on on, him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news Friends, Jesus is sending us to our city. Are you willing? Are you willing to be willing? This year we're building out some campaigns to engage our city. And while we don't have all of the plans laid for the entire year, I can tell you this, that the first portion of the year leading up to Easter is gonna be saturating our city with prayer. Not just in this building, praying for our city, But joining together in groups to pray throughout our entire city and along the borders of our city, in particular areas of our city, even going door to door for those of you who feel that's what God would have you do to say, hey, I'm your neighbor. How can I pray for you today? It's going to be a beautiful time. We also on March 1st have a gathering for Gen Z and Gen Alpha where we are going to commission them to live their missional call by planting and starting Jesus groups in their middle schools, high schools, college campuses, or going to the nations. And so be praying for that. That's going to be March 1st. We're we're inviting everyone we can think of that's between the age of 13 and 22 to come and have that infusion of God's heart and his mission in this city and the nations. So as we get ready to close and move towards communion, I want to ask you this question. Or here's here's a question to contemplate this week. Who is in my sphere? Who is in my sphere of influence that the Lord wants to highlight? Begin to pray for that person. Because here's a trap I just want to highlight. The enemy loves to get us all worked up about things that are going on in places where we can do nothing about it. Not many of you can step into the conflict in Ukraine with Russia and solve that problem. Amen? But we spend disproportionate amounts of time being concerned about things that are going on way outside of our sphere of influence and very little time being concerned about something we can actually do something about. And that looks like, and I know many of you do things like this, feed one homeless person It matters to them. Share Jesus with one neighbor. It matters to them. So I want to invite you as we gear up towards this task in 2024 of following Jesus into what he's calling us to do, which is to reach our city, is to begin asking God, who's in my sphere? Who is it in my sphere that you want me to start praying for and engaging with? And how do you want me to do it? It might be like Jeff Galasso where you make killer Rice Krispie treats and you feed them towards the Lord. It might be something else, but I believe that God cares a lot about this city and the lost here and he wants us to engage. And so Lord, we invite you, we just ask for your help. As we step into this place of engagement in 2024, we want to be ambassadors for you. We want to be available for you to make your appeal through us. So we love you and trust you. Amen. I'd invite you to stand as we take communion together. We're going to be taking communion all this month. You could take the bread, the cracker out from underneath before you open the top. That's a good tip. We know that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and the cup, and it says in Matthew 26 that he took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This bread was willingly, it represents the, the, the flesh and body of Jesus that he willingly gave up, so that we could be reconciled and step into relationship with Jesus. So as you take this, I want you just to move into that spirit of celebration and gratitude of like, thank you Jesus for doing what you didn't have to do for me. Thank you. So Lord, we thank you for this bread that represents your body, which was pierced and whipped and broken for us and you willingly laid it down so that we could be stepping in to eternal life with you. Take this bread and eat in gratitude. It goes on to say in Matthew 26, And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus, we want to say thank you for this grape juice that represents your blood that was poured out to begin a brand new covenant relationship with us and us with you. Thank you for spilling it willingly and thank you that you promise you are coming again. And until you do, empower us by your Holy Spirit to live as mature disciples of Jesus. Take the juice in gratitude and drink it. Friends, if you've made a decision today, don't forget to scan that QR code or visit the Connect Center out in the atrium. And visitors, don't forget that if you're new here, we have a gift for you and we'd love to meet you. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, we thank you, God, for warm cars and thawed out pipes. And we thank you, God, for family and friends and especially for the community of Jesus. God, would you build your church Build your church in this city and may it be like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden for your name and for your glory alone. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Guys, have a great week. We love and appreciate you and we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.